Chapter number 46 of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lola Janey of Virginia. Regiment of Women by Clements Dane. Chapter 46. Claire had paused a moment, half expecting Alan to return, but it was draughty on the landing and she did not wait long. Silly of Alwyn to dash off like that. She had wanted to discuss Miss Marsham's letter with her before writing her answer. Not that she was really undecided, of course. The offer was an excellent one, no doubt, and it was fitting that it should have been made. But to accept the head ship was another matter. Life was pleasant enough as it was. She had plenty of money, and Alwyn was hobby enough. She wondered what Alwyn would say to it. Urge her to accept, probably? Alwyn was so terribly energetic. Well, she would let Alwyn talk. She picked up her pen, and when she had expended herself, Claire would produce her already written refusal. Alwyn would pout and be annoyed. Alwyn hated being made to look a fool. Claire laughed as she bent over her letter. She had achieved preliminary compliments and was hesitating as to how she should continue when a violent rat-tat, hushing immediately to a tremulous tat-a-tat-tat, as if the success of the attack upon Claire's door had proved a little startling to the knocker, announced a visitor, and, to their mutual astonishment, Elizabeth Loveday fluttered into the room. Though Elizabeth's naive amazement at herself and her own courage was more apparent, it was scarcely greater than Claire's politely veiled surprise at the invasion, for since Alwyn's attempts to reconcile the oil and water of their reluctant personalities had ceased with her absence, there had been practically no intercourse between them. With a crooked smile for her first fleeting conviction of the imminence of a church bazaar or Sunday school treat on gargantuan lines, Claire applied herself to the preparation of Elizabeth's tea, in no great hurry for the disclosure of the visit's object, but already slightly amused at her visitor's unease, and foreseeing a whimsical half-hour in watching her pant and stumble, unassisted, to her point. Elizabeth was dimly aware of her hostess's attitude and not a little nettled by it. She waved away cake and toast with a vague idea of breaking no bread in the enemy's house, but she was not the woman to resist tea, though he Kate's self-brooded. Fortified, she returned the empty cup, readjusted her veil, and opened fire. My dear Miss Hartle, she began, a shade too cordially, I've come round, I do hope you're not too busy. I know how occupied you always are. Claire was not at all busy, entirely at Miss Loveday's service. Ah, well, I confess, I came round in the hope of finding you alone, in the hope of a quiet chat. Claire was expecting no visitors, but would not Miss Loveday take another cup of tea? Oh, no, thank you, though I enjoyed my cup immensely. Delicious flavor. China, isn't it? Alwyn always quotes your tea. Poor Alwyn. She can't convert me. I've always drunk the other, you know. Not but that China tea is to be preferred for those who like it, of course. 
and acquire tastes, perhaps, at least. She finished with an indistinct murmur, uncomfortably aware that she had not been particularly lucid in her compliments to Claire's tea. Might Claire order a cup of Indian tea to be made for Miss Loveday? It would be no trouble. Her maid drank it, she believed. Oh, please don't. I shouldn't dream. You know, I didn't originally intend to come to tea. But you're so very kind. I'm sure you're wondering what brings me. Claire disclaimed civilly. Well, to tell you the truth, I'm afraid you will think me extremely roundabout, Miss Hardo. Claire's mouth twitched. But it's not an easy subject to begin. I'm somewhat worried about Alwyn. Again? Claire had stiffened, but Elizabeth was too nervous to be observant. Oh, not her health. She is splendidly well again. Danae did wonders. Claire found Elizabeth's quick little unexplained smile irritating. No, this is, well, it certainly has something to do with Danae, too. Indeed, said Claire. Elizabeth continued, delicately tactless. She was always at her worst with her former pupil. I dare say you are surprised that I consult you, for we need not pretend, need we, that we have ever quite agreed over Alwyn. You, I know, consider me old-fashioned. She paused a moment for a disclaimer, but Claire was merely attentive. With a little less suavity, she resumed. And of course, I've always thought that you, but that after all, has nothing to do with the matter. Nothing whatever, said Claire. Exactly. But knowing that you're fond of Alwyn and realizing your great, your very great influence with her, I felt, indeed we both felt, that if you once realized, we? Roger, Mr. Lumsden. Oh, the gardener at Dinay. My cousin, Miss Hartle. Oh, oh, really? But what has he to do with Alwyn? My dear, he wants to marry her. Didn't she tell you? Elizabeth had the satisfaction of seeing Claire look startled. Now, I was sure Alwyn had confided the matter to you. Hasn't she just been here? That is really why I came. I was so afraid that you, with the best of motives, of course, might incline her to refuse him. And you know, Miss Hartle, she mustn't. The very man for Alwyn? He suits her in every way, devoted to her, of course, but not in the least weak with her. And you know, I always say that Alwyn needs a firm hand. And between ourselves, though I am the last person to consider such a thing, he is an extremely good match. I can't tell you, Miss Hartle, the joy it was to me, the engagement. I had been anxious. I quite foresaw that Alwyn would be difficult, though I am convinced she is attached to him underneath, you know. So I made up in my mind to come to you. I said to myself, I am sure, I am quite sure Miss Hartle would not misunderstand the situation. I'm quite sure Miss Hartle would not intend to stand in the child's light. She is far too fond of Alwyn to allow her personal feelings. <laughs> After all, feminine friendship is all very well. Very delightful, of course, and I'm only too sensible of your goodness to Alwyn and taking her to Italy, too. But when it was a question of marriage, oh, Miss Hartle, surely you see what I mean. Claire frowned. I think so. The guard, 
This Mr. Lumpkin. Lumsden? Of course, I was confusing him. Mr. Lumsden has proposed to Alwyn. She has refused him, and now you wish for my help in coercing her into an apparently distasteful engagement? Oh, no, Miss Hartle. No question of coercion. I think there's no possible doubt that she is fond of him. And if it were not for you, but Alwyn is so quixotic. Claire lifted her eyebrows, politely blank. Oh, Miss Hartle, why beat about the bush? You know your influence with Alwyn. It is very difficult for me to talk to you. Please believe that I intend nothing personal. But Alwyn is so swayed by you, so entirely under your thumb. You know what a loyal, affectionate child she is. And as far as I can gather from what Roger let fall, for she is in one of her moods and will not confide in me, she considers herself bound to you by, by the terms of your friendship. All she would say to Roger was, Claire comes first, Claire must come first, which, of course, is perfectly ridiculous. Claire reddened. You mean that I, or you, for that matter, who have known Alwyn for years, must step aside, must dutifully foster this liking for a comparative stranger? Elizabeth smiled. Well, naturally, he's a man. I'm so sorry I can't agree. Alwyn is a free agent. If she prefers my friendship to Mr. Lumsden's adorations, but I've told you already it's a question of marriage, Miss Hartle. Surely you see the difference. How can you weigh the most intimate, the most ideal friendship against the chance of getting married? Elizabeth was wholly in earnest. Claire mounted her high horse. I can. I do. There are better things in life than marriage. For the average woman, do you sincerely say so? The brilliant woman, the rich woman, I don't count them. And there are other exceptions, of course. But when her youth is over, what is the average single woman? A derelict drifting aimlessly on the high seas of life. Oh, I'm not very clear. It's easy to make fun of me, but I know what I mean, and so do you. We're not children. We both know that an unmated woman, she's a failure. She's unfulfilled. Claire was elaborately bored. Really, Miss Loveday, the subject does not interest me. It must, for Alwyn's sake. Don't you realize your enormous responsibility? Don't you realize that when you keep Alwyn entangled in your apron strings, bind to other interests, when you cram her with poetry and emotional literature, when you allow her to attach herself passionately to you, you are feeding and at the same time deflecting from its natural channel the strongest impulse of her life, of any girl's life. Alwyn needs a good, concrete husband to love, not a fantastic ideal that she calls friendship and clothes in your face and figure. You are doing her a deep injury, Miss Hartle. Unconsciously, I know, or I should not be here, but doing it nonetheless. If you will consider her happiness, Claire broke in angrily, I do consider her happiness. Alwyn tells you that I am essential to her happiness. She may believe so, but she's not happy. She has not been happy for a long time, but she believes herself to be so, I grant you that. But consider the future. Shall she never break away? 
Shall she oscillate indefinitely between you and me, spend her whole youth in sustaining two old maids? Oh, Miss Hartle, she must have her chance. We must give her what we've missed ourselves. Claire appeared to be occupied in stifling a yawn. Her eyes were danger signals, but Elizabeth was not Alwyn to remark them. In one thing, at least, I do thoroughly agree with you. I don't think there's the faintest likelihood of Alwyn's wishing to marry at all at present, but I do feel with you that it is unfair to expect her to oscillate, as you rhetorically put it, between two old maids. I agree, too, that I have responsibilities in connection with her. In fact, I think she would be happier if she were with me altogether, and I intend to ask her to come live here. I shall ask her tonight. Don't you think she will be pleased? Clara's aim was good. Elizabeth clutched at the arms of her chair. You wouldn't do such a thing. Claire laughed shrilly. I shall do exactly what your Mr. Lumsden wants to do. I'm not poor. I can give her home as well as he. If you're so anxious to get her off your hands, she seems to be going begging. Elizabeth rose. I'm wasting time. I'll say goodbye, Miss Hartle. I shouldn't have come but it was for Alwyn's sake. I hoped to touch you, to persuade you to forego, for her future sake, for the sake of her ultimate happiness, the hold you have on her. I sympathize with you. I knew it would be a sacrifice. I knew because I made the same sacrifice two years ago when you first began to attract her. I thought you would develop her. I'm not a clever woman, Miss Hartle, and you are. So I made no stand against you, but it was hard for me. Alwyn did not make it easier. She was not always kind. But hearing you today, I understand. You made Alwyn suffer more than I guessed. I don't blame her if sometimes she recoiled on me. You were always cruel. I remember you. The others were always snails for you to throw salt upon. I might have known you'd never change. Do you think I don't know your effect on the children at the school? Oh, you're a good teacher. You force them successfully, but all the while you eat up their souls. Sneer if you like. Have you forgotten Louise? I tell you, it's vampirism. And now you are to take Alwyn? And when she is squeezed dry and flung aside, who will the next victim be? And the next and the next? You grow greedier as you grow older, I suppose. One day you'll be old. What will you do when your glamour's gone? I tell you, Claire Hardhill, you'll die of hunger in the end. The small, relentless voice ceased. There was a silence. Claire, who had remained quiescent for sheer amaze at the attack from so negligible a quarter, pulled herself together. Rather white, she began to clap her hands gently as the critics surprised into applause. My dear woman, you are magnificent. Really, you are. I never thought you had it in you. The law and the prophets incarnate. How Alwyn will laugh when I tell her. I wish she'd been here. You ought to be on stage, you know, or in the pulpit. Have you quite finished? Quite? Do unburden yourself completely, you won't be given another opportunity. You understand that, of course. If Alwyn wishes to see you, she must make arrangements to do so elsewhere. This is the one condition I shall make. This is the way out.
Elizabeth rose. She was furious with herself that her lips must tremble and her hands shake as she gathered up scarf and reticule, but she followed her hostess with sufficient dignity. Claire flung open the door with a gesture a shade too ample. Elizabeth laughed tremendously as she passed her and crossed the hall. Oh, you're not altered, she said, and bent to fumble at the latch. But it doesn't impress me. You've not won yet. You count too much on Alwyn, and you have still to reckon with Mr. Lumsden. And his three acres and a cow? Claire watched her contemptuously. It did not seem worthwhile to keep her dignity with Elizabeth. She felt that it would be a relief to lose her temper completely, to override this opponent by sheer crude invective. She let herself go. What a fool you are. Do you flatter yourself that you understand Alwyn? Go back to your cullips and tell him from Alwyn. I tell you to speak for Alwyn that he's wasting his time. Let him take his goods to another market. Alwyn won't buy. I've other plans for her. She has other plans for yourself. She doesn't want a husband. She doesn't want a home. She doesn't want children. She wants me and all I stand for. She wants to use her talents and she shall through me. She wants success. She shall have it through me. She wants friendship. Can't I give it? Affection? Haven't I given it? What more can she want? A home? I'm well off. A brat to play with? Let her adopt one and I'll house it. I'll give her anything she wants. What more can your man offer? But I won't let her go. I tell you, we suffice each other. Thank God there are some women who can do without marriage, marriage, marriage. Elizabeth, as if she heard nothing, tugged at the catch. The door swung open and she stepped quietly into the sunny passage. Then she turned to Claire, a gray, angry shadow in the dusk of the hall. Poor Claire, she said. Are the grapes very sour? She pulled to the door behind her. Later in the evening, as she sat, flushed, tremulous, utterly joyful over Roger's telegram, she considered the manner in her exit and was shocked at herself. I don't know what possessed me, said Elizabeth apologetically. And if I had only known, it was unladylike, it was unworthy, it was unchristian. She shook her head at her mild self in the glass. But she made me so angry. If I'd only known that this was coming. She fingered the pink envelope. She'll think I knew. She'll always think I knew. And then to say what I did, it was unpardonable. But I was right all the time, cried Elizabeth incorrigibly. And I don't care. I'm glad I said it. I'm glad. I'm glad. End of chapter 46